Welcome to The Markitect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Markitect is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Each episode, powered by Pavilion, helps you unlock your professional potential by featuring experts who will share how they build impactful teams and optimize their go-to market execution. Welcome and enjoy the show. Welcome to The Markitect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Markitect is for and about the world's greatest, greatest and the best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. So today's guests, many would consider them modern revenue leaders. That's how the industry would describe them. And considering today's macroeconomic environment, modern revenue leaders need to be in place. They need to evolve or else because our job as modern revenue leaders is to exchange value for money. Exchanging value for money is the name of the game, but exchanging value for money intelligently, first and foremost, and consequently, efficiently, is a must to survive and thrive, especially in the day and age of do more with less, everyone's favorite uh, cliche phrase. Modern revenue leaders do this better than most. So my guest co-host today, Sam Jacobs, community builder extraordinaire and recovering sales leader. And I are thrilled to have Latney. She only goes by one name. You don't need to know her second, like Madonna and Cher. <laughs> it's one name, CMO of Six Sense. And Dustin Dino, who I've had the pleasure of collaborating with in, um, on, on a couple of occasions, Chief Revenue Officer at Affinity. They're both with us here today to give us the perspectives of sales and marketing on ABM within organizations to drive intelligent growth and efficient growth. Welcome, everyone. Well, I'm a, I'm a co-host, but uh, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on the show, Rowan. And good seeing you, Dusty and Latney. Dustin and Latney. All right. So let's start. Let's let's get going. Let's start with the basics. Let's level set on something that a lot of people get have a lot of misconceptions about. Let's briefly level set on the role of product marketing in a SaaS company. Latney, why don't we start with you? So I think what's interesting is um, when people talk about marketing, they always talk about marketing and sales alignment and it, that's the issue and it's broken and you know you you have to be really good at aligning with sales and that's what makes a great um, a great marketer. And all of that is is true, but I think actually being in a marketing is aligning almost like uh, with every single executive. But I would say the more important team, yes, even than sales to align with, is product. And the reason for that is you cannot escape product market fit. So I can have the coolest campaigns. I can partner with Sam and be the best, have the best engaged community. I could have the most buttoned up sales process and have the best salespeople. But, and if, and maybe for a quarter or two, that'll be all right and we'll do okay. But in the long run, the only, like the, the biggest reality of success is product market fit. And so that's why I think the relationship between product marketing and marketing and the product team 
is so important because it's our job to bring the view of the market into product and take product and make sure it's messaged and positioned correctly for the market. Uh, and it's it's ha- happening all the time. And guess what? Every time there's a change in the market, even if you had product market fit, you got to go back and you got to rethink it. And so, um, you know, whether you're launching a ton of new products or entering new markets, or even if the market changes, it's it's a it's an infinite game of of doing that. And so, I think that's um, that's how I think about it and the importance of of uh, of product marketing. Dustin, it's uh, how, how do you think? You know, you've been at Salesforce, you've been at Showpad, you're now at Affinity. How do you think product marketing? adds value not just to the company, but to the sales team. And by the way, let's make sure we give a plug for Affinity and, and tell the listeners what Affinity does. And then would love to know how you think about how product marketing integrates into your interest in revenue generation as a CRO. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Uh, yeah, Affinity is a, a relationship intelligence and CRM tool for for private capital organizations. So really excited to, you know, coming up on a year there and it's been an exciting run. But I think about... Um, you know, product marketing, and I'll, I'll use one of, I think, Rowan's favorite terms is this this idea of interlock. And when you have, um, you know, like, like oh, I agree with everything Latney said, but the idea of crystallizing the message um, from from what, you know, what you're doing as a company and what your product delivers. Um, and then the other word that I think Rowan uses a lot is impact. And I think aligning the sales team on the actual impact of your product is more important now than than, than ever. For obvious reasons, as, as companies are, you know, scrutinizing every dollar they spend, um, we need to be crystal clear on the impact that we deliver to every organization. And I think product marketing has a very unique perspective, kind of sitting in the middle between, you know, product marketing and sales. Um, you know, if they can help the team crystallize that message on on what the impact is, it's it's really really valuable. And I think those are the best product marketing organizations I've seen. So. Uh, yeah, we'd be we'd be lost without product marketing. Probably. So. Justin, but, I'm shocked that you actually listened to what I used to say. I listened to everything you said. <laughs> My God! All right, thank you, <laughs> Latney. The 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 other uh, you know, ABM is is a phrase that is still being bandied about. I, I started hearing about it a couple of years ago, and I think interest has never been higher. But there are quite a few misconceptions of what ABM account based marketing truly is. In your in your from your perspective, what do you think account-based marketing truly is? Why is it important for marketing teams to grasp this? And how does it relate to product marketing? So I think in its simplest form, when I describe ABM, I say, this is about aligning the entire company on the most winnable accounts and contacts. And um, kind of going back to my preach about product market fit, I think that companies that are successful are very focused on their ideal customer profile and they really understand their ideal customer profile. And so, and, and how it relates back to their category too. So, so when I hear things like we have a huge TAM and we can sell to anybody and we have no competitors, I'm thinking, oh my God, you're a disaster. You don't know what is going, you don't, you don't have a plan, you know? Um, 
And so, and so I think that's like the, the, if you boil it all down, it's how do we make sure that every single calorie that we have in our go-to-market team, which is extremely limited, is focused on the most winnable accounts and contacts. Um, And so I think companies that do ABM well, put, you know, a, a disproportionate amount of effort on, you know, the most winnable ones, but also understand what are not good accounts and have a process to, you know, not spend a lot of time on on low ICP fit. So that's kind of what the, the simplest form of, of how I ta- how I think about it. And I think when it comes to product marketing, you know, good product marketers are looking at that data. They're looking at the digital breadcrumbs that the market is is putting off. And if you want to launch a new product, you know, you don't have a history selling that product, right? So the data is not going to be in your CRM. So where is the data? So you have to have, I think, a really good ABM mindset to say, what is the market for this product? How many accounts are actually in this market? You know, what, how do we penetrate this? Um, you know, we just launched a new product. And, you know, it's interesting, like, like you, I think you need to know if you're capturing demand or creating demand and you can start to look at the market and the breadcrumbs and see like, oh, okay, in this segment of our business, there already is a lot of demand and a lot of demand that knows six cents. So this is a capture game, different game than, you know, we launched a new product and people don't know us for that. They don't know about, you know, how we provide contact data. They don't think about us as competing with Zoom and Lusha and Apollo. So that's a create demand game, you know, which again is different, different motions, different, different things that we need to do and a different understanding of what that slice of I, of ICP looks like. And so I think like just being really data driven and, and, seeing all the breadcrumbs that that are out there to to make sure that we're um we're all focused where we can win is a big part of what product marketing does and marries that with the ABM strategy. When you're I, I love what you said the difference between capture and create demand. When you're thinking about create demand, it's also a messaging exercise probably up to the CEO and the board to say Creating demands more expensive and takes longer. So let's make sure that the milestones that we have are appropriate because it's not going to look the same. Everybody knows us for intent data. We make a lot of money. This is our unit economics on intent data. But when we're selling a new thing that we're not known for, let's understand that it's a three to five year game, not a this quarter game or next quarter game. Do you agree with that? Or how do you, how do you, how does that resonate with you? Um, I agree with it. I do think if you're aligned on your strategy, there are things you can do to start creating demand before you launch the product, right? And so like, for example, with this, our product launch was in March, but six months before we launched Project Freeze, which was how do we freeze the market? So they know this is coming. The people who want, they're they're very loyal people to Sixth Sense. Right. We have great customer support. We've had great impact. You know, Dustin is one of our our loyalists. And so we wanted to make sure our loyalists knew, hey, we're going to be able to do this. 
And, um, and so don't renew or, or wait on renewing. Um, and so we, we launched this kind of project freeze to be able to make sure that we got at least with like that inner circle, um, the, the word out, but, you know, Sam, I think that you, a, a lot of people have struggle with like early indicators of success. I think, you know, how, how do you show pre-pipeline progress. Um, and so I think as a CMO, if you're investing in creating demand, you have to have a good, consistent way that you're showing, you know, pre-pipeline and even pre-website visit progress um, so that you don't get, like, it doesn't look like all the money is just going into a black hole. Ladney, I love, I absolutely love your explanation, your very simple explanation of ABM. So aligning yeah. the entire company on the most winnable accounts, and that includes our friends in sales. So and contacts, because it's also the personas, right? Like what are the what are the personas within those those accounts and why? I love it. So Dustin, to that end, what's your take on ABM from a sales perspective? And and why are sales teams just rapidly adopting this approach alongside? their marketing peers, because if there is an alignment in ABM, it just doesn't work internally. Yeah, I think this might upset some of the product marketers, but can we just, it's just good sales and marketing, I think. Like it's not this new uh, thing. I think there's a ton of fantastic tools that help you do a targeted approach. Um, like Latney was discussing, and um, I've bought three or six cents multiple times. And it it's, I think it's just part of the core technology that you you need as a as a sales leader today, and I think that that account based motion. I guess I don't know how you would do it any differently unless you were 100% inbound, right? Like the more narrow focus you are as, as a sales, that's like that's the name of my my job is basically to direct the team in a very focused and targeted way because you know we're the most expensive line item on a on on someone's budget and so we have to make sure that we're efficient if you're not targeted with who you're going after with the right messaging and making sure that you're you're doing it to accounts that have a high propensity to buy like i really don't know how you can survive without it um and so it, it to me it's just really really good sales and, and, and marketing. I think product marketers did a good job of category creation and calling it ABM, but it, it's 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 that interlock between the, the two groups, in my opinion. And so, you know, it's unless you have 100% inbound in a very, you know, massive TAM and you're selling to only SMBs and they're all coming at you and you're, you're some swimming. kind of PLG. <laughs> yeah. You're swimming in, in, in uh, revenue. Like <laughs> if you're one of those companies, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to chat with you. But, uh, but in those scenarios, like I, like, I don't, I don't know how you wouldn't outside of that wouldn't do ABM as a, as an approach. I think it's just good sales and marketing. Dustin, but I oh, will go ahead, say Matt. a lot of marketers, like, I one of my first ebooks like five years ago was called ABM. It's just good marketing. And and you know, I come from sales and you've all we've always had like a target account list and you focus on that and like you know, you don't give reps too many accounts, they're in the pool. And like, like I'm like, you know what I mean? But but marketers have been trained to create a volume game, right? Mm -hmm. And and so 
I think the training is less and the reprogramming is less on the sales side and more on the marketing side to say, just because you created this inbound lead, it's not an account that's even good for us. It doesn't count. Like that's not, this is not AYSO soccer where everyone gets a trophy that no trophy for that lead. You know? <laughs> um, so I, I think that the reprogramming is more on the marketing side with ABM, honestly. Is there any tension, Latney, to, to the point that you just made about even if you created a lead, sometimes do you, is there a more holistic view emerging where it's not even you created a lead and they purchased, but we know that they purchased, but they're not going to renew. Is there a more holistic perspective that's emerging as we look at trying to build sustainable companies You know, in the current world of efficiency and doing more with less? I hope so. I mean, who wants to sell churn? You know, it's just stupid. But, you know, I will say like, it's, it's a constant challenge. I've aged. <laughs> I've aged the last five years, you know, trying to, to talk about what feels obvious. But, um, I mean, real life example company I was, I was working with spent Two anywhere from two hundred fifty thousand to five hundred thousand dollars a month on paid. Okay, to get an f load of leads, f load. <laughs> That's a lot of leads. Uh, only eighteen percent of them even ended up getting to to the meeting. Okay, so most of them just didn't show up or were disqualified for whatever. And then, you know, then they had a 10% win rate off of that and super high churn. And they thought they were crushing it. Just doing great. High growth, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a story from a couple of years ago, not from 2023. And so it's like, and, and, and it was like, and these salespeople were really pissed that the new approach meant they got less. They're like, where are all the leads? Well, you're not going to get as many. You're going to get way less, but it's going to be like the right. And, and it was like, it was very, it was a very, very hard transition. Very hard. So Dustin, I, I want to shift over to, oh, sorry. What were you saying, Lightning? No, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it feels, you know, people think that activity is productive and it it feels good sometimes to just be active maybe. It is a true mindset shift. And part of that is about aligning the organization. Dustin, you know, Latney was just talking about the alignment between product and the marketing organization to make sure that you have product market fit. And there's a lot of interlocking stakeholders between the people that build the stuff, meaning product and engineering, and then the people that sell the stuff. And you also want to create, especially in the, the, you know, in today's world, my perspective is buyers are more frustrated than ever with kind of like the predictable revenue style uh, buying lifecycle approach where you're obligated to talk to a 25-year-old SDR before you're allowed to talk to a 28-year-old account executive. <laughs> and none of those people are really people that are adding a ton of value to your experience as a potential success customer, for example. So how do you think about alignment? How do you think about making sure that you and the executive team are on the same page with the product organization, with the marketing organization, with the sales organization, and to the point of churn with the customer success organization so that it feels coherent and also it feels useful to uh, to the buyer? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And obviously, 
uh, an interesting topic today. I think I'm obsessed with time to value. So now that I have the whole value chain and I have to make sure that our customers renew, um, I'm not just uh, throwing some some <laughs> revenue over to the CS leader. Um, it you know it's it's very important to me that that we kind of align the whole group, and that's who are we marketing to. Or who are we? How are we? In, you know, getting them in the funnel and then getting them to time to value is extremely fast. So I obsess about time to value, and I think that starts even when you're thinking in the kind of early funnel in in marketing. Is is how do we get you from like, hey, I don't know what Affinity does, all the way to your really excited customer? That the, the amount of time and energy we we put in in shrinking that is is pretty intense, um, and so. It's it's really really important that that you're you're narrowly focused on the right accounts in order to do that. If you're kind of spraying all over the place like that, he said, it's it's very very difficult for you to deliver time to value. In terms of like how we approach that with the team is, you know, the the BDRs are are kind of completely repurposed for us. We don't do this kind of you know spray and pray pounding like. We sell to VC firms and growth equity firms. The last thing they want to do is talk to a uh, a twenty three year old kid about how Affinity is going to change their, their <laughs> firm in the middle of a, like a fundraise or something. So we use it as a more human interface into that whole kind of extreme top of funnel. And actually, the BDR team sits under marketing, and so um, and the first interaction that they have with the salesperson is 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 our best salespeople. Um, and so that's I, I completely kind of flipped that on the the its head with our my CMO and um, that's definitely improved our, our conversions and um, again we're just obsessed with the time someone discovers affinity time to value like how fast can I make that happen so I'm kind of an old manufacturing guy and so like i'm a lean six so i'm like crunching like hours out of every single step in the process and um so kind of obsessed with that and that's that's really helped to get our team to to think about that that kind of customer journey at the beginning i love that latney what do you do i i know that you have a great relationship with your sales team uh, maybe it's because you come from sales but how do you you said you know you need to make sure you're aligned with product how do you align I always hear you talking about your relationship with Mark and and the great organization that you have, the interlock between marketing and sales at Sixth Sense. What is what's your strategy besides you know just being awesome at what you do? I think it starts with like a, a mindset of extreme accountability, and that revenue is a team sport, and um, we all take a lot of ownership of our issues. You know, and, and I think that like if so, we have a process called finding the red and and it's not bad. Finding red is not bad. Right. Like isolating problems that we can go and fix is is great. Um, and and I think that just knowing we are in, you know, it's I don't know if there's a lot of people who have been through what we've been through. And, and so we, we sort of come in eyes wide open. Every quarter is like a new company. You know, every company is a new game and we're going to have to learn a lot, you know, and, and we just have to be, have a high degree of urgency around quickly identifying, you know, finding our red and, and fixing our red. Um, 
Do you do that through like a QBR process? Like when you're finding the red, what's the framework for doing that? Or is it just, is it like a radical candor style meeting where everybody's just like very direct and abrasive, but in a collegial way? (laughs) You would love that, wouldn't you? (laughs) I would not like that, actually. (laughs) I'm tired just like you. I don't want to fight anymore. Um, no, it's, it's more loving, I would say. And I would say like, the more you own your own glass house, the more it encourages everyone around you to own their glass house. Right. I I think that if you go around telling other people why they suck and what they're doing wrong, like they're just going to shut down. Right. So for me, it's leading with like extreme vulnerability. Like these are my issues from the quarter that I have identified. Um, and you know, here's what we want to do to fix them. And, and then I, I do think like having great metrics, right? Like really having a transparent, like anybody, anytime can go and look at my dashboard and see exactly how we're doing. Right. And so, yes, there are some segments we are sucking at right now. I know it, you know, it, your dog knows it, you know, it's, it's right there. Everyone to see. Right? Ozzy don't so, know shit. What? <laughs> he said, Ozzy don't know shit. That's one of my dogs. Oh, that's one of your dogs. You know, so it's just kind of like, like, I, I think, um, and then on the process, you know, everyone wants a meeting or a format or whatever, but I think if it needs to happen, I, I call it like being in the flow. Like Mark and I talked three times this weekend. You know what I mean? Like we don't need to wait for some big, like, meeting and then people bring us together like no yeah okay we're two you know the quarter ends in a week we kind of see where we're going to end up what are we getting ready for for next quarter i mean it's not it's not hard you know it just takes i i think a strong desire and urgency and and want and need to own own the issues i will say with my marketing team and then i'll stop um we do run a qbr which is kind of different for marketing um, and, and it is a, a sales style QBR and every functional leader talks about what they did, how much it cost, um, and what the ROI was. And we're, we're always cutting, you know, if we want to do new stuff, we got to cut underperforming programs. So, um, so we do that every quarter. Brilliant. So we've level set on product marketing. We've level set on ABM. We've level set on the stakeholders in the revenue ecosystem. Um, especially alignment between sales and marketing. So let's make this real now. Uh, and Ladner, we're going to start with you. How do you intelligently and efficiently exchange value for money? And, and we're going to, you know, if you can walk us through the steps of organizations that really want to double down on ABM, uh, wh- what are the three, four or five steps that they need to take to really get started? Actually, you know what? I think Dustin should have, he's done this as a, like, it's one thing for me as the woman who sells it to talk about it. He's done it. What, what are you, what are the steps to yeah, get a rocket? The, the first thing is go buy six cents and then <laughs> she buys six cents. Um, <laughs> she's not paying, by the way, but uh, um, you, I think the, the best thing that we've done and I think there's tools out there, right? There's plenty of tools. Six Sense is, I think, the best one, but there's plenty of tools out there. It's not about the tool. It's about operationalizing the process. And that's what I think we've done a, a good job of is really, really making sure that when that BDR or AE shows up for their day, 
they know exactly what to do. And we've organized their kind of command center um, that we, we call it that there's zero excuse for a BDR or an AE to not know who to talk to or who to reach out to and what message to reach out with and what they're trying to accomplish. Um, and there's very crystal clear goals around that. The second piece is then as a sales team, I think it's your job to lead in the creation of an SLA to your marketing team. So if marketing is going to do a good job of giving me the right accounts and the right leads to, to follow up with, I need to have an SLA that I'm going to get back to that lead in a very quick manner. And then I, similar to what Latney does, I put a dashboard that exposes our whole team um, to the whole company around how quick, and we measure that in hours. And so again, scrunching down that time to value. And so that SLA and then operationalizing, you know, consistence will do a fantastic job of, you know, showing you where to look and getting the right accounts to you um, and the right people to you and, and understand kind of their journey before they ever reached you. And now it's about operationalizing the team to go after it. And I think that's where, um, you know, as a first step, people think that like you're going to implement this technology and just implementing the technology is going to just make everything happen. You got to, you got to really align the team on what they're doing every day and be extremely prescriptive. Um, and if you're not prescriptive, I think it just leaves room for, for error. So that's, those are the, you know, couple key things that, that we do. I have, a, I have a question, Dustin. When you, um, <laughs> when you, how does being in the office or not, is Affinity remote? Because I'm, as you know, I love what Latney said about extreme ownership, extreme accountability. And I'm all, I'm just wondering aloud to myself how easy that is to do if everybody's, you know, in their home office or in their bedroom or in their living room versus you know, in the office. And I had, uh, I had drinks with a CRO last night of a, of a large insight partners back company and they're back in the office five days a week. And that's one of the ways that they drive that SLA that they make sure, uh, yep. obviously the dashboards are helpful too. What's your perspective? Yeah, I would, I would personally love to be back in the office. Um, that's why I'm in San Francisco now, typically in Chicago, but, um, our, our team comes together uh, on a frequent basis, but um, we are pretty distributed. So we're, we're remote uh, the vast majority of the time. We try to come together in the moments that matter kind of monthly in smaller teams or quarterly for the whole group. But um, yeah, we, we are a, a remote company. I'd, I'd say I'm still learning and adjusting to, to how that, that works. Um, I think there's a lot of downside to not having that. You know, when I was at Salesforce, we would call it the swivel chair. You would hear, person in the row converse, having a conversation you would have just ran into that 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 topic you know five minutes ago and and the amount of I think learning when you're right next to each other is extremely powerful but um so we're finding ways to recreate that if possible but I, I think there's no substitute for for being um, next to each other so yeah we're, we're thinking about that but we've, we've kind of the the other side of it is we've we've got great talent because it's distributed. And so like we've been able to to kind of get a great group of people that we trust. Um, you know, I don't have a you know 500 person team. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes in the in the future. But um yeah, I would I would love to be able to be back in the office with um my colleagues, but maybe I'm a little old school. I don't know. <laughs> 
And, and I don't know. They just double down on what um, what Dustin said before we get to how do you measure success with ABM. He talked about oper- operationalizing the process. He talked about creating an SLA from sales to marketing for the CMO at an organization that is looking to optimize how they do ABM. Let's pretend that they're already kind of doing it. Any other steps that you'd like to add in there to make sure that this is done well? Um, I know some, you know, I think having for, for the marketing side, having clear, again, visibility into top, top of funnel progress, right? Because you're not having a volume game. So you need to be able to show, for example, one of my boom stats is, you know, website, ideal customer profile website visits. Cause I'm like, you know what? The first, our store is our freaking website. Like we put a lot of money into this thing. <laughs> we do a lot of ads to get people here. We need to double, we need to get exponentially more of the right people coming to our website, you know? So I, I try to keep it simple and just show, okay, we had 200,000 visits this, this time. That was our average in Q1 last year. Now we're at a million visits a month, right? So great progress, right? Great early indicators. Um, so I, I try to just like keep it simple um, around those things to to help people to understand like what what's actually, you know, are we on the right track and are we making progress and are we penetrating these accounts and contacts the way that we, we need to. Um, and I think that's where marketers have trouble when you don't have, and Sam, you talked about this, like the, the customer experience and, and the prospect experience, right? Prospects are future customers. And so, you know, one of my beefs is like, why would you make them fill out this huge form? If you're, you know, you spend all this time writing the ebook, you know, and trying to educate them on like, yeah, and trying to educate them on, on your stuff. Like this makes no sense, you know? So you know, changing the, but you have to change your measurement, right? If you're measured on form fills, it's going to be pretty painful. You see, so, you see, so it's, there's an adjusting in measurement that um, marketers have to to lead through, um, even up to the board level. You know, a lot of boards are are used to um, um, kind of a 1990s funnel, lead funnel, right? Mm-hmm. And you can't just say, sometimes I have marketers that say, oh, I told them that's wrong. And I'm like, we can't just tell them that's wrong. You need to say, cool, here's something that I like to do. And here's why. And you know what I mean? (laughs) And so so I think that like moving to that account-based measurement is a big part of the the ingredients of success. We implemented the bow tie. I don't know if you've heard of winning by design, but the kind yeah, of I love that. It was like one of the first things I, I did. It took a while to get the data aligned, but it's so crazy. You'll see like the rep that closed, you know, one point five million dollars, and then that turns into like eight hundred k, and then you have the rep that closed one million, and that turns into one point four. But when you when they close it, you look at those reps completely differently, and yes. it has aligned our whole company around big accounts instead of like big deals and you know people crushing their quota and stuff and so yeah the alignment on the metrics if you can't get that i think it's really really difficult um it does take a little time to to manage up though uh so they've been looking at information the same way for a long time yeah yeah Ladney, can i ask you one one more question 
how uh <laughs> if you're thinking about I, I guess just roughly speaking, how big is your team? And if you think about the percentage of the team focused on growth versus the percentage of the team focused on, you know, customer success slash retention or expansion, how does that how does that divvy up? Oh my God, this is such a good question. And I just went through this because I think that there is this misnomer that the cost to upsell is like so much lower than <laughs> the cost to acquire. Like, oh, you're going to acquire this customer and then you're not going to have to do anything. And they're going to like spend millions and millions of dollars more with you. So I actually went through my marketing budget line by line. And I, I said, if we didn't acquire another customer, how much of this would we still do? just to grow our customer base. And and you know what what ended up shaking out and the, and it was somewhat subjective. I mean some stuff is hard cost, right? Like the cost of the technology that we run our customer community on and you know the people dedicated to to customer marketing, but would I not participate in with analysts if we didn't I mean you, you still have to do that stuff. You know, maybe not as much, but Anyway, so mine came up to about um, 35, 65. 65 is growth or 65, 65 is... is growth. Cool. Um, and, and so that was kind of an interesting exercise. But I think that customer marketing is a huge frontier for um, up-leveling the game. Um, because a lot of customer marketing is just doing references for sales. So it's not really for customers at all, <laughs> you know, or case studies so we can sell more. Um, you know, so, you know, we're, we're really thinking, I mean, we do a lot with communities. Um, we do a lot with like life cycle plays. Um, it's probably, it's one of my three biggest focus areas to, to get creative and and reimagine this year because I think that people have been calling it customer marketing, but it's really still for sales. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we're we're pretty much at the at the bottom of the hour, and uh, we can we can talk forever on ABM and and the wonders of it. But let me let's conclude with this. I got have a question for each of you. Let's start with Sam. And go to Latin and end with uh, with Dustin. So, Sam, you, from your community perspective, you have a brilliant community of uh, chief revenue officers, CMOs, a bunch of others. Uh, they're all talking about ABM, how today, especially, how to intelligently, efficiently exchange value for money. What are your three parting words of wisdom that you hear from these folks? Oh, well, um, I think it's... Honestly, uh, the most of the wisdom that I get when it comes to marketing is from Latney, and um, <laughs> he knows his uh, his audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here's what I will say. I, I just think she she articulated it earlier, but everything today is about focus. That is every in every way, and in every way that I've been burned, I've been burned when I haven't been focused enough. And when I've gone too wide and too diffuse, and when the value proposition becomes too abstract, and every time I win, or I feel like I'm on the path to winning, it is because I am narrowing my ICP, I am narrowing my product set, I am narrowing my value proposition, 
And um, like even last night, I was at a I was at drinks with the CRO, and he's like, I don't know. We started an office in uh, <laughs> in Sydney before you know we're like thirty million in revenue. We don't have a big presence in Europe, and we don't have a big presence in North America. And somehow somebody wanted to open an office in Australia, <laughs> and that's an example. He's like, I shut that down as soon as I got promoted. You know, because the more you can focus exactly who you want to be, exactly who you're serving, exactly what you're supposed to deliver. That is the clear clarity of the signal that will pierce this world of noise, of chaos, of confusion. That's what you need to be focused on. You need to trust that your market is big enough, your TAM is big enough, that by that you're not sacrificing anything by being specific. That would be my words of wisdom. Try and be as tight as possible. Focused and clarity of signal. I love that. Latney, your parting advice for marketing leaders in order to succeed utilizing account-based marketing during these turbulent times? Um, you know, I think like, again, being really clear on your dashboard and like what success looks like and, and being able to articulate clearly um, what's working and the progress that's being made and then also what's not working, you know? I think marketers, sometimes we can be a little defensive because we're positive people and, you know, it's okay to say this is the area that's broken and I'm working on fixing it. Um, so that that would be my words of wisdom. Love it. And and how much of that is coming from you being uh, growing up a, a sales leader? Uh, you know, start with the metrics top of mind and then work towards it. Yeah, well, I think that, you know what's interesting is when I started in sales, I sucked. I was so bad. <laughs> and I got a coach. And then I listened to this program called the New Strategic Selling, which I'm sure you guys are all going to laugh because it's like totally 90s. But anyway, um, but one of the things they teach you is how to do a win plan. And on the win plan, it's all about red flags. And like red flags are good. And like you're supposed to go and like find all the things that why it might not close. You know what I mean? And this like blew my mind. Um and and so you know, I, I think back to that moment of like, oh, I'm supposed to be finding all the things that are gonna go wrong. This is so helpful, you know. <laughs> um, but that's actually how you future proof bookings too, is you know, where are all the where are all the little cracks and crevices that you know, could get us in trouble. And the more we're doing that as early as possible, like it's really hard to fix a quarter in quarter. It's almost like I know everyone thinks it's possible. We can work harder. We can like call this customer 500 times and we can have 16 other people call that same person. And that's, that's the play because we're going to really put the pressure on them. But like, it just doesn't work. <laughs> right. But what, my issues actually though you know we if we fix them then that can save us from having these like these fire drills so um so yeah just trying to be like really mindful of that um i think is what I, my what my advice would be brilliant so dustin please don't go to your marketing leader hoping for a miracle in quarter fix that quarter uh, is what i heard uh but dustin your parting words of wisdom for sales leaders revenue leaders in order to succeed utilizing account-based marketing yeah. yeah oh sorry um yeah I, I think the first thing is operationalizing it um making sure that 
your your team wakes up every day and they know exactly what to do. Um, I think in order to be a good steward to marketing, it's our job to operationalize what they they send us in a way that we're efficient and effective. And then two, I think is around that transparency element of like establish that SLA with your with your marketers so that there's zero if I'm gonna hold the marketer accountable to to how much pipeline they bring, I need them to hold me accountable to how quickly we're following up on that. So and then we find the right mix of activity between the two of us that generates, you know, continuous revenue. Um, and then I think the the last piece with ABM is is it's you have to get the whole company aligned to it. Like if you do not, and I know that's hard, but your CEO needs to know that you're looking at how you're progressing certain accounts through the funnel versus this idea of like an MQL. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it, it, everyone has to be aligned to that because the second that the CEO says like, where are MQLs? Even though that may have zero correlation to revenue, like your team's going to follow that and try to drive more MQLs, and it's just in that. So that alignment across the the team is is really really important. I think companies like Six Sense and Latney's team are doing a good job of changing that narrative, right? Which has been a long time coming because sometimes that sales job's harder than the actual sales. Yeah, yeah, than actually doing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh yeah it's, it's uh, you know i think uh operationalize it be willing to make mistakes be super transparent establish that sla with your marketing team and uh yeah that's what i've done so i don't know if it works but your experience as a varsity football player has has shone here you know it, it goes back to if you don't know the routes you're going to run who's doing what who's blocking during those it's going to be chaos on the field and the same thing applies to abm so um thank you both for your time really appreciate it your your you know from a revenue leadership perspective i look up to both of you uh keep doing what you're doing and you're an inspiration to all of us 